Have you ever asked yourself the question, why is Good Friday so good? That saying Good Friday reminds us of the bloody, unjust, cruel, despicable, painful, and lonely crucifixion of Jesus the Messiah. What is good about seeing the second person of the Trinity experiencing uh, public shame and being rejected by the very people he loved, betrayed by his closest friends, and dying like a criminal? What makes Good Friday good? And I want to argue that what makes Good Friday good is precisely that is that we get to see Jesus, the Messiah, the eternal God, the one and perfect Son of God, the righteous one, the begotten Son, the King of kings, the bread of life, and the Redeemer, experiencing all that pain, all that injustice, all that cruelty, all that loneliness, all that shame, all that rejection, and yet choosing to stay there. See, that's what makes Good Friday good. See, Jesus didn't have to stay there. See, Jesus had the power to avoid the cross. He had the power to escape the, the cross, and yet he didn't. Actually, the Bible shows us that not only Jesus chose to stay there, but he chose to die there. This is the reason why in Luke chapter 23, when he talks about the crucifixion, it shows us that Jesus had control over everything, including his death. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he breathed his last. You know what it means to have a Savior that has the power over everything, control over everything, and he chooses to stay there, and he chooses to die there. Did you know that the cross did not kill him? He chose to die. Now the question we got to ask is why? The question that I'm trying to answer tonight is why is it that Good Friday is still good? And I think that the most basic, simple answer the Bible gives us is that Jesus chose to stay there and chose to die there simply because he's a God of forgiveness. So, for example, in Luke 23, verse 33, it says that when it came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, verse 34, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. I don't know if you ever spent some time thinking about that sentence. I found that statement intriguing. Who was Jesus talking about there? Who is Jesus forgiving there? Who are the them? I want to argue tonight that when Jesus is making this prayer, he has four types of people in mind. He wants to forgive the skeptic. He wants to forgive the religious. He wants to forgive the seeker. And he wants to forgive the desperate. The skeptic the religious, the seeker, and the desperate. 
Let's look at the first one here, the skeptic. In Luke chapter 23, verse 15, it says that when Jesus was crucified, the people stood there watching, and the rulers even sneered at him, and they said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. When the text talks about the rulers, he's talking about the religious leaders of that time. And I put this group in the category of skeptics because even though they had plenty of evidences, plenty of information that pointed to the reality that Jesus was the Messiah promised in the Old Testament, they chose to ignore all of that and they chose to crucify him. It was a choice. Did you notice the word if? That if is not talking about them looking for answers. That if is talking about the reality that they chose to not believe. You know what's crazy about that? That they chose to reject them. And yet Jesus is choosing to stay on the cross for them. I find it interesting that they chose to reject them. And Jesus is choosing to pray for their forgiveness. They are choosing to reject them, and Jesus is choosing to die for them. That's why Good Friday is good. It shows us a good God, forgiving not-so-good people. For even when those not-so-good people have chosen to reject the one that is truly good. I don't know about you, but I think that I have a little bit of a skeptic inside. I still struggle rejecting God sometimes. So if that's your case, let me ask you a question. Has anybody loved you enough to welcome you in, even when you don't want anything to do with that person? Has anybody loved you enough to welcome you in, even when you have rejected that person? Has anybody loved you that much? That's why Good Friday is good. The second group of people that we see there are the religious. In Luke chapter 23, verse 39, it says that one of the criminals hung there with Jesus. And he's insulting Jesus. And he says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself on us. And the text shows us that the attitude of this man is not a reverence or respect. He is insulting Jesus after all. But if you notice, the only reason why he's speaking to Jesus is because he sees Jesus as the means to an end. Save yourself and save me. That is the description of a religious person. The religious person wants the hand of God, but not the heart of God. The religious person has a conditional relationship with God, a transactional relationship with God. If you do your part, I will do my part. A religious person does not find God beautiful. He finds him only useful. A religious person is weeping, sees a weeping Savior, and the only person he cares about is himself. You know what I find amazing about that picture? That the criminal is choosing to use Jesus. The criminal is choosing to see Jesus as a means to an end. And yet Jesus is choosing to stay on the cross for him. And yet Jesus is choosing to pray for his forgiveness. 
And yet Jesus is choosing to die for him. Can you see why Good Friday is good? It paints the picture of a good God forgiving not-so-good people, even when not-so-good people had chosen to use him who is truly good. Don't you think that we all have a little of a religious person inside, in which we see Jesus as a means to an end? But let me ask you this. Has anybody loved you that much? That even when they know that you are using them, they choose to love you. Even when you are using people as a means to an end, they choose to love you. Well, that's Jesus. That's why Good Friday is such a good day. The third group of people is the seeker. In Luke chapter 23, verse 47, it says that the centurion, the centurion seeking what had ha- seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. The reason why I call this man a seeker is because even though he's making a confession and it seems like he's attracted to Jesus, it doesn't mean that he surrendered his life to Jesus. See, the text says that he has seen and heard everything that had happened and he praised God because he comes to the conclusion that this Jesus not only was a righteous and good person, but the Gospel of Matthew says that he came to understand that Jesus was the Son of God, Matthew chapter 27. So someone may wonder and say, doesn't that make him a Christian? And I would say, I don't think so. It is possible to praise God. It is possible to know a lot about God. It is possible to believe in Jesus just as much as the devil believes in Jesus and yet not surrender your life to him. See, the seeker is interested in Jesus, but he or she is not convinced just yet. I think that it's important that we understand the difference between being interested and being convinced. You know what I find fascinating about that picture? That the centurion might not be completely convinced See, the centurion might not be, maybe, maybe just maybe, might not be completely sure about choosing Jesus. And yet Jesus is choosing to stay on the cross for him. Jesus is choosing to pray for his forgiveness. And Jesus is choosing to die for the one who does not truly love him just yet. That's what Good Friday is good. It is a good God for giving not-so-good people, even when those not-so-good people are not convinced yet that he's truly good. And then there's a fourth group of people, which are the desperate. And what I want to show you here is that the skeptic, the religious, and the seeker have much to learn from this person. See, Luke chapter 23 shows us that Jesus is extending forgiveness. But only one person embraces that forgiveness. And he's the desperate. Look at what Luke chapter 23 verse 41 says. We are punished justly, he says, 
for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. You see, this man understands something that the skeptic doesn't understand, the religious doesn't understand, the seeker must, doesn't understand. This person understands something that everybody else needs to understand. That there's only one person that deserves to be in that cross. And it's not Jesus. It's the skeptic, the religious, the seeker, you and me. That's what he understands. See, he understands that he is guilty. He's honest enough to understand that every single one of his deeds deserve the punishment of God. See, he understands that we have sinned, all have sinned against God and against others. See, he understands that we are not as good as we think we are, that we don't love as much as we think we do. See, he understands that our thoughts and words and actions are a reflection of our hearts. See, he understands that we don't need to pretend that everything is okay because we know deep down inside that we are not okay. See, he understands that if everybody could see our thoughts and motivation, we would all be ashamed. That's what the desperate understood. The desperate understands that he deserves to be there. No excuses, no pretension, just honesty. That's what the desperate understands. See, the desperate is seeing a broken Savior, a suffering Savior. And he says this to him in verse 42. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. To which Jesus responds, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. See, the desperate is quick to confess. The desperate is quick to plead. Lord, please forgive me. I deserve to be here. Be merciful to me. Remember me. See, this is why Good Friday is such a good day. It is a good God forgiving not so good people. It is a good God being willing to forgive the ones that have rejected him. A good God willing to forgive the, one ha- the ones that have used them. A good God being willing to forgive the ones that are not convinced just yet. A good God that is willing to forgive the ones that are completely, 100% guilty. You know what's amazing about that? Listen up, church. There's no Bible study. There's no reading. There's no going to church. There's no memorizing verses. There's no serving. There's no giving money. There's nothing there except one thing. Believe and repent. And you know what Jesus says? Today, you will be with me in paradise. Just believe and repent. That's why Good Friday is so good. It tells you that we have a Savior that welcomes you in, that is never too late. Even when you are knelt, knelt to a cross, never too late. It tells you that we have a Jesus that forgives the unforgivable. It tells you that we have a Jesus that is not ashamed of loving and accepting the, the rejected. It tells you that we have a Jesus that promised not just forgiveness, 
but he promised paradise with him. See, if you're a skeptic, you are looking for answers in order to believe. But if you become a desperate, all you know is that you need Jesus, and then you get your answers. See, if you're a religious person, you still see Jesus as a means to an end. But if you're desperate, you find Jesus so amazing, so beautiful, so perfect, so merciful, so good, that he is the end of all your means. See, if you're a seeker, you are holding back because you're not convinced just yet. But the desperate holds nothing back. Why? Because he has seen the suffering Savior not holding anything back. Picture yourself as this man crucified next to Jesus. See, picture yourself as the one that truly understands and believes that we deserve to be there. See, picture yourself as someone that is not pretending to be nothing that you're not. Just picture yourself as someone that recognizes that we're broken people. See, picture yourself as someone that has sinned against the whole, the, the, the eternal, mighty, cosmic God. See, just for a second, think about everything that has gone through your head just today. Think about the motives today. Think about your words today. And if you do that right, you will see that you deserve to be right next to Jesus. But I want you to see that when you're, when you're nailed right next to Jesus, Jesus chooses to stay there for you and Jesus chooses to die for you. See, at the cross, Jesus was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering familiar with pain, and yet he chose to stay there and he chose to die. See, at the cross, Jesus was despised, and we held him, at, held him in low, low esteem, and yet he chose to stay there and he chose to die. See, at the cross, Jesus takes our pain and bears our suffering. Considers, uh, we consider him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, and yet he chooses to stay there and he chooses to die. See, at the cross, Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, and yet he chooses to stay there and he chooses to die. See, at the cross, God lays on him. My iniquity and your iniquity. Therefore, he was oppressed like a lamb to the slaughter. And Jesus knows all of that. And he chooses to stay there and he chooses to die there. Why is Good Friday so good? Because he shows us that our Savior did not hold anything back.
Are you desperate enough? Are you desperate enough to recognize that you have been a seeker, a skeptic, and not religious? Are you desperate enough to understand that it doesn't matter? He wants you with him. Are you desperate enough to understand that he welcomes you in? This is why we participate in community. If you are desperate enough, this meal is for you. If you can recognize that we are like that man knelt next to Jesus, this meal is for you. If you're not there yet, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking. One day, you will get your answer. So I'm going to ask you to please hold your cup and remove the first uh, uh, cover of the cup. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, once again, this is for you. And the Bible says that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We may participate. Now you may remove the second cover of the cup. And to desperate people, Jesus says this. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. You may participate. Lord, my prayer for us tonight is that you make of us desperate people. Lord, that you convince the skeptic that you give freedom to the religious, that you bring in the seeker, and that you make of us more and more desperate people that all we want is paradise with you. Not paradise without you, but paradise with you. It was preparation day. That is the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, 
he gave the body to Joseph. And Joseph brought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled the stone again against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. <laughs> 